Hey guys, welcome to the Lane Foundation's podcast. This is your co-host, Davis Hambrick. Joining alongside me today is Mr. Walker Lott. What's up, Walker? Davis, dude. How's your day been? Man, it's been cool. I uh, Yeah? This this week at work has just been busy. I feel like, uh, I don't know, I feel like I'm growing muscle again, just working oh, yeah? out there with tools, throwing away, throwing away trash. Getting jacked? That's right. Just working hard. What about you? You doing some trash can curls over your head or presses Ooh, over your head yeah. and stuff? No. That's a good I, idea. I'm using the lull eight ounce. Curl oh, there right you there. go. You should do some lunges to the dumpster. No, man, I'm good. I've been uh, traveling this week and working and, uh, you know, getting to go to Springfield, Missouri. So that was pretty fun. It's actually a really cool city, really cool town. Uh, no lie. I, I really enjoyed it there. It's cool to visit. But, man, that's about it. I think we had a, a fantastic guest today. We got Michael Lambert. He's the VDC manager for Chasco Construction out in Round Rock, Texas. Uh, and really, really cool dude. He he loves what he does. He he knows very well what he does. Uh, and he's a really great teacher. You know, VDC is one of those things where uh, not a lot of people know about it. And not a lot of people know what it is, how it works. But if you do, it's very impressive uh, the people that can actually do it, that can model, that can do the drones, that can do all the scanning and then put it into one file and send it to you. So it makes your job a lot easier. You know, he talked a lot today about making other people's job easier, about having perseverance, patience, humility, uh, just trying to trying to be a servant hearted to, to individuals above you and below you. And, and again, make everyone's life easier, make it to where, you know, they don't have to worry about something and that you can fill in the gap and someone below you doesn't have to worry about something and you can fill in the gap for them and just lead, learn, ask questions. You know, it's, it, it was awesome. I had a great time. what you think? Yeah. I mean, I think it's really cool to listen to someone that started in a machine shop, you know, working in CAD, but then coming into surveying and, you know, Michael's what probably in his forties or fifties and, he didn't grow up with technology like Walker and I did, yeah. at least like the same extent of it. Like Walker and I, and probably a lot of our people that are listening, we grew up um, with an iPhone or yeah, we had a flip phone for a few years, but ever since, you know, like pretty much ninth grade, we've had this awesome technology. And so just getting to hear how he's the older guy at staying on this edge of learning about technology and how he does it to me, I think it's fascinating. I commend him for that, but, what I do love about what he talks about is something I went through personally to be able to delegate. You know, I, I talk about how I was before I started working for Brasfield and I think there's a correlation, not Brasfield and Gory, but, you know, I started to get closer to Christ and you know, I've opened and openly talked about that, but you know, I used to be someone that thought I knew it all. I didn't know how to delegate. Like I just had to be perfection and I had to learn that, you know, failures actually it's better than okay. Everybody yeah. fails. Nobody's perfect. Nobody on this earth is perfect. And so being able to fail and being able to let other people fail and let them learn, it's all about what can you do to help others and what you can do to learn. That's really what I got from this podcast. And um, if I could encourage, you know, our generation, the people below us that are, that are thinking about getting into construction, it would be, man, just go pursue something and try and yep. go ask questions. I know that's something simple. We just keep saying it. it's too generic, but if you really think about it, if you are willing to show up every day, give it your best, show up on time, have a hard work ethic, listen, ask questions, you are going to do extremely well in construction. No, I, and I completely agree. You know, Michael's a, a prime example of that, of just always, always wanting to learn. And, and guys, that's what it's about. Just, you know, have a servant heart. If you have that, if you can serve those around you, then it's, it's fine. You're good. You know, you are going to make the next position do a better job. Do you like, you're going to go up, you're going to rise up the totem pole. Don't worry about it. Take it one day at a time uh, and just enjoy the journey. Like we talked about, you know, it is a journey. It's, it is a marathon and not a sprint. That's right. And oftentimes we got to remind ourselves that too. So don't think that, yep. you know, Walker and Davis are excluded. I mean, we got to remind ourselves every day that every day we got yeah. to earn everything every day. We got to earn the right to speak into people's lives. And that's just how it is. Yeah, I completely agree. But guys, we'll let you get to the show. Can't wait for you to listen to it. Without further ado, Michael Lambert. Michael, welcome to the show, man. We're really excited to have you on here. Excited to learn from you, learn a little bit more about you and what you do. Uh, but just to start off with, who are you? What do you do? And where are you from? Hey, guys. Uh, thanks for having me on. This is uh, some cool stuff. And hopefully we can get through some topics that will excite some people. So I'm Michael Lambert. 
I'm the VDC manager with Chasco Constructors. That's a general contracting firm that was founded in 1979 by Chaz Glace. Um, if, if we have time, we could get into that story because it's pretty funny. You notice the resemblance between Chaz and Chasco. Um, but yeah, so I'm the VDC manager and I oversee, I like to say I'm a digital construction worker, um, except for the fact that I like it. I love getting out in the field and, and uh, surveying. So I oversee surveying, CAD, uh, BIM, which is building information modeling, uh, the GPS or GNSS equipment. And that includes the equipment that the surveyors use and we have GPS machine control. So that means that we have uh, GPS gear and screens on the bulldozers and the motor graders, things like that. And we can load models and CAD files onto there so that the operators can see you know, where they're at. And then on top of all that, I operate the uh, drone program. So I actually have one other pilot besides myself. And uh, it, it's been an amazing journey. You know, I, I don't know about name dropping or anything, but the company that we're using for processing and, and flight capture and everything, we've been with them for seven years. So awesome. that, that just kind of tells you building good relationships is, a, is an important part of it and having good support is a good part of it. So, um, yeah, I mean, that's, that's basically what I do for Chasco. Uh, I'm kind of the guy that figures out technology solutions and that includes in the office as well, you know, so we've right. got our accounting systems and our estimating programs and, mm -hmm. and things like that. So I'm, I'm just kind of the guy that sees the big picture and, you know, and the workflow that goes through. That's awesome. I like what you mentioned. You talked about how it's relationships. You know, a lot of what we figured out is construction. If you treat people the right way, if you're willing to work with them, if you're willing to establish trust, you know, most of the time it's probably going to go a lot easier than, than worse. But it, yeah. And, you know, Chasco's mission statement is to provide our employees with the best resources and training so that they can focus on professionalism and integrity. I like it. And, and part of the other part of that mission statement is that we want to be the, you know, the elite horizontal and vertical contractor in central Texas. So we, we definitely keep ourselves in a scope. You know, we don't, we're not going to be nationwide. Um, our owners are real good about let's keep this amount of people. This is a sustainable business at this model. Um, you know, and, and the other thing is we like to say, or round rock based world-class quality, you know, getting, getting more business through referrals, relationships and referrals is uh, a lot more gratifying work than just publicly bidding day after day and going through the right. grind. Right. Michael, what got you into, what got you into construction in general and, and how'd you end up with, with Chasco? Yeah. So we go, go back in my life. Uh, I'm probably a little older than what I look like, but uh, <laughs> yeah. So I, I went to trade school to uh, tech school awesome. and uh, worked on CAD design. So that was, that was my passion. My dad was a CAD designer. He worked for welding companies and, you know, all these different things, but CAD was one of the things that he did as I was growing up. Yeah. And uh, I, I just really liked, I, I've always loved math you know, and so that was a real strong part of it. And uh, so coming out of school, actually, while I was still in school, um, I worked for a machine shop and I was drawing 3D models of parts to go into CNC machinery. And I worked there for, I want to say about five years, somewhere around five years. And uh, the industries that we supported were high-tech industries that had clean rooms and things like that so we manufactured stainless steel tube fittings to mm -hmm. run all the gases and things like that in the clean rooms and uh, that high-tech industry crashed in about 99 and uh, I, I figured out pretty quick that I needed to get out of there because it was going to start dwindling, dwindling you know yeah. and uh, you know so I had to do something with my CAD experience. I mean, that was, I ran crews and ran a shift and, and all those kinds of things. So I knew that world, but the CAD was, was the basis of what I did. So just kind of went on the job hunt and ended up working for a land surveyor, drawing plat maps and topographic surveys and things like that. So that it was, it was kind of a blessing how that turned out 
because I've always loved the outdoors. The other job, I loved the CAD, but I was always indoors in a dirty machine shop. You know, So I get to work for a land surveyor. Um, and up front, it was primarily being in the office, drawing, things like that. But after about a year, I talked to the RPLS and I said, you know, would it be okay if I went out and learned how to survey? I'd like to, you know, learn how to collect this data and understand what they're capturing, you know, that I'm drawing. Uh, and he said, sure. And uh, it was a really cool experience because he was kind of an old school surveyor, RPLS. And uh, he actually took me out in the field, taught me how to run a chain, how to run a tape, how to run a transit all these you know, old school tools that surveyors have used forever. So like I said, it was a blessing at that point in time that I got to do that because this was when GPS was just first starting to come out. And uh, to get to learn that old school way, use the equipment that we were using at the time, which was you know, 90s, early 2000s technology, um, and then have GPS coming in. And uh, so working for the land surveyor, one of the things that land surveyors do is they support construction and they do things like, you know, set lot pins, set control benchmarks. They do cut sheets for utilities, things like that. And through a relationship, one of the construction companies that we supported, their, uh, one of their field guys went to work for Chasco and Chasco wanted to build their own in-house you know, survey program, you know, um, so they interviewed me and uh, everything went well. And, you know, we had that one guy in the field and we had me. So it was just a, you know, a real slow start. So they had to find something else for me to do. And I ended up working in civil estimating for a while. Once again, I'm a numbers guy. Um, so that I took onto that really quickly and did civil estimating and did the, the CAD and kind of ran the field crew. So then the CAD workload got pretty heavy, you know, because I went from working on CAD files, creating points for the surveyors to starting to build machine control models. And mind you, this was 15 or 16 years ago. So the, uh, the technology that we have nowadays to build models was non-existent. So I was building everything in CAD and it's just kind of developed from there. And now he has an assistant that's doing the CAD and scheduling the surveyors and he's doing all the modeling. So I am now more in the role of field technologies and the drone uh, and the drones become real heavy. And as of about was it two months ago, I actually hired a kid out of Texas A&M. But uh, you know, once I got to talk to him a little bit more and got to know him, they actually flew Phantom 4 Pros, which is one of the types of drones that we use. So here's this kid that I hire coming out of Texas A&M and he already knows how to fly a drone. He already knows, pretty much knows how to capture data, how to process the data. Um, and it, I mean, it's unreal. To, for somebody like me going back 15, 20 years in CAD and 3D and modeling to have somebody on the edge that I'm, I was pushing, you know, because we, we picked up drones probably about four or five years before anybody else in Central Texas did, um, as far as the way we're using it, you know, more of a, a surveying manner. But uh, so we've been on that cutting edge. We were in the cutting edge of machine control and cutting edge of, of the drones. Yeah. And, uh, you know, to feel like you're on the bleeding edge and then to have a much younger person come out of school, knowing quite a bit of that already, it was, uh, it was really cool. You know, I don't want to say it made me feel old, but it was just, it, and it made a real easy transition because we brought him on. I ran him through our curriculum, my drone training that I set up. I had him shadow me in the field for about two weeks, um, it, including running a GPS rover and being able to set ground control points and things like that. And within about two weeks after that, he's out flying on his own. That's awesome. And if we can, I'd like to go back a little bit. You, you mentioned a few things that I heard and you said, you know, you talked about how you went to trade school and you worked in a machine shop and then how you finally got out to being in surveying and being outside. It's something that you actually enjoyed, but you said something, you said, I went and talked to the surveyor. 
You know, yeah. you weren't you weren't at the position you wanted to be, but it was as simple as having the confidence to go, hey, you know a lot more than I do. Can I go look? Can I come learn from you? How do I get to where you're at? And Absolutely. if we could if we could encourage more young people to just do that, it's going to help grow this this age gap and narrow it down. But the other thing I liked about what you said was a lot of these things that you're talking about that Chasco's doing, you just start. You just started over here. And then eventually it's grown and, hey, okay, Michael started it, but now I can hire an assistant and now he's going to take it. Okay, and Michael's going to start something else over here and we're just going to start and you just learn how to grow. And for some reason, I don't know why, I mean, I was in the same mindset, but we just think we have to know how to do it the first time. And if it's not perfect, like you can't do it, but that's not the right. case at all. Yeah, absolutely. Especially the drones. The drones, they've been around for a while, but in the manner that we're using them, it's uh it's a completely different animal and, and there's a lot of different use cases, you know, so people are still trying to figure out how it fits their use case. But uh, I, I collaborate with a lot of people. I'm on a lot of different forums. I do consulting, all those kinds of things. And one, I like giving, you know, I like, I like teaching people. I'm very patient. You know, I'm truly one of those people that thinks that there's no stupid questions. Um, I mean, I guess I could be, but, not really. If somebody's interested and they're asking you a question about something yeah. specific, there's really no stupid question. Um, you know, and going back to talking to the land surveyor, I loved what I was doing, but I saw this other piece over here mm -hmm. that I found really interesting, you know, and luckily it was a, a small enough firm that they could always use another person in the field. And it just worked out really well because I could go out in the morning, nice, you know, cool mornings, work out in the field till about lunchtime and then come in and draw everything, you know, that we worked on. And then those guys would go to other stuff after lunch. So, yeah, definitely don't be ashamed of not knowing something, um, but uh, be you put forth the effort to learn and uh one of, the, one of the other things that I've, I've learned early on and that has been just compounded at Chasco is diversity. To have diversity in your skill set is, is really important because that helps you be successful no matter what happens. Uh, and, and kind of the way to look at that with Chasco is that we're a general contractor. We do excavation, you know, utilities, concrete. We do build some buildings but we do all of the civil phases in-house. You know, we've got, I think we've got a little over 300 people now. So probably about 40 or so in the office and construction is just a labor field heavy, you know, environment. So we've got, you know, 250 guys in the field, self-performing excavation, concrete and utilities. And one, by doing all those scopes, is that you know we we're able to stay diverse so if infrastructure is hot we can do that if subdivisions are hot we can do that if retail and commercial market is hot um, and then also it allows us to control the schedule the civil part of it is is so much more interesting to me there's there's just there's so much more that goes into it than what people see you know they yeah. see the ground when we're done you don't see the pipe underneath. You don't see the telecom and, and all these different things that go in. I mean, even a roadway, it's not just asphalt on dirt. You have to dig down, take out bad material, right. bring in good material, run it through a specific process. Um, so it's it's really cool to, to work for a company like Chasco that, that does pride themselves in self-performing work. Um, because you have a lot of contractors out there that all they do is excavation or all they do is utilities and they get stuck sometimes, you know, in 2012, when, when the economy went south, there were construction companies from out of state, from the Northeast coming into Texas because Texas was still fairly strong. And uh, so one, it was their economy, but also because it was like an excavator or a paving company and that's all they did. So they had to go to the work instead of being able to kind of pick and choose what they want to do. You know, we hold our margin. We're gonna make this much money on this job. And if we can't do that, we don't want that job. 
And because we're diverse, we can do that. Michael, I love what you said. That you, you said a ton of great things, and it's hard to pull out just one. But one thing that really stuck out to me was when you said, you know, put forth the effort to learn and to be diverse in your skills. And I think that's so true to today because, I mean, honestly, there's so many resources out there nowadays, especially in this time and age and time and, and uh, all the technology that we have is that you can really can learn whatever whatever you want anything exactly yeah and so it and also you know your point about learning from those around you i mean like you said go out there reach out and talk to people that's something we stress a lot on this podcast is that the resources are there they're available there's people on linkedin there's people on youtube there's people right around you that if you just stop and have a conversation with someone that's all there is to it you know and so what honestly the one question i want to go into because i have a lot of friends that I've spoken with recently that I did not know uh, they like the BIM side of things. They like the technology side of things. And they were speaking with me. I was at a career fair recently for my company and uh, I got the the honor and the opportunity to speak to, to people who are in my cohort. Cause I graduated a semester early uh, and then to some other people I, I never met before. And some of the things they're saying is like, yeah, I, you know, I'm really interested in BIM. I'm interested in VDC. I want to go into this area. So yeah. going off of your last point about just putting forth the effort to learn, for for students, for, for kids, even for people older and, and maybe more advanced in their career, what's an area uh, or what is a good approach to them to learn VDC, to learn BIM, to learn this side of things before, maybe before they go into a company or if they want to transition within their company, maybe go into the BIM, VD side. What are some resources you recommend or some approaches that they could do to, to kind of be more well-versed in that area before they jump right into it? Yeah, absolutely. You know, BIM and, well, VDC is, I'll I'll clarify that a little bit because VDC came from BIM. BIM was always the term that everybody used and and it's old. I mean, it's an old term. And uh, VDC came about, I think, because of all the other technologies that started surrounding BIM. So, you know, virtual design and construction instead of right. building specific, you know, building information modeling. Yeah. So it, it really came about because all these technologies were coming together. But, uh, you know, what I will say is that it's software heavy, you know, and that's that's another one of the exciting things, like my pilot coming straight out of college with the experience he did. The, the younger generation is going to come out with a lot of this knowledge already, you know, they're learning the things that we have figured out just before them. And like you said, the resources are out there. Um, you know, Google ought to put up some type of a diploma, honestly, because there is Google between Google and YouTube, you can look up virtually any piece of software, any specific task on that piece of software. Um, so just go get it is what I say, you know, and, and that's good because I've been on that cutting edge of technology for so long. That's how I've had to learn, you know, a lot of what I know that information was not out there. How do you model a 3d pipe in AutoCAD? Well, it's one thing to model a cylinder, but to turn that into a pipe and be able to apply it to, you know, a civil design, nobody was doing that. So yeah, really, I mean, you just have to be creative, you know, think on your feet, go get those resources. And I would say don't skim over resources. You know, that's real easy to do, especially like if you're on YouTube. Oh, I don't, I don't, I don't need to see that part. Let me skip a minute ahead or, you know, watch the screen and, and move the move Oh, the I'm bar. guilty of that for sure. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. I do that all the time. Yeah, you see that <laughs> one thing that you want to see. No, I mean, if you're going to get on there and watch a 20-minute video about how to create an assembly in Revit for walls, watch the whole thing. Because just like, you know, what I've done is is being passed on. You have to know those predecessors to get to the task and to be able to, um, you know, kind of efficiently carry that along. Otherwise, you're going to get to a point in that task and go, oh, well, this quite quite isn't right. Well, you go watch the YouTube video again. So, yeah, you know, you might, as, you might yeah. as well watch the whole thing and get it over with. Right, Walker. He just uh, when he said 
learned how to build a tire wall sim that had some PTSD flashbacks from oh from thesis. <laughs> yeah, uh, dude, I, I I spent more hours than I should have trying to figure out how to do a mansard roof in thesis class on a on a BIM on Revit. And Absolutely. if I had just sat and watched the video all right, the way through, right. it would have taken 15 minutes. But I spent like two days trying to learn how to do this because I kept skipping around to different videos. It was insane. Oh, no doubt. You know, I'll, yeah. I'll say one term. And I don't know if it's such a big deal anymore, but curtain walls. In oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, think about that five, 10 years ago. You had to build separate, you know, pieces and put that together. There was no Jeez. curtain wall routine. It was terrible. And, and roofs were horrible. You know, mm. sloped roofs were horrible. Um, so, you know, we don't use Revit too much in that manner anymore because technology has come along. Um, the, the major roadblock to BIM as it was trying to get started, quite honestly, was the architects. You know, when you look at the definition of an architect, they are the ones that should be leading the project, right? So they've got the conceptual design. They, they do a site plan. They, they get all this package put together and then it gets handed off to a civil engineer and a structural engineer and an MEP guy. And, and what was not happening is that they were kind of creating a model up front and they would hand it off and they were done, you know? And so when, when the civil engineer would come in and find a problem or this layout for this parking lot doesn't quite work, they wouldn't update their model. Um, if, you know, an MEP guy was modeling the HVAC and it ran into a wall and they needed to cut out for a wall, but uh-oh, there's, you know, something else on the other side, they wouldn't update their model. So it, it took a while before all the trades, you know, kind of fell in line and uh, got that that true BIM workflow going on. All right, and uh, you know, Michael, we've been talking a lot about technology and um, the the stuff that you're you're working with at Chasco. I wanted to ask you, for the young people, what is something? I know you said just go out there and get it and go learn, but if there's something they could start out like right now and they're interested in going into this field, what's some type of software you think that would be most beneficial to them if they just started out with a, with a basis? Yeah, well, I mean, and if you're a student, go get what you're going to use um, because it's, it's never going to be more affordable, honestly. Um, so you might as well go get a student, um, a student license of Revit or do trials. You know, try all the different softwares. Try Bentley, try AutoCAD. Uh, Civil 3D, Carlson, you know, there's, mm -hmm. there's several CAD packages that sort of do the same thing, but at the same time, they all have their strengths and weaknesses. Like, uh, you know, Civil 3D and Carlson Civil, people think they're the same thing, but they're really not because Civil 3D is an engineering package. That's what it's meant to do. And it, it does things in a different way. Carlson Civil was built by Carlson, which started out as a survey company. So it's got civil functionality in it, but it's, it's much more simplified. And I think it's more appropriate for the construction industry. So there's, you know, Carlson survey, which is straight up survey, you know, doing Kogo and points and meets and bounds and all that kind of stuff, but it can do some topography, some, you know, it's just not as extensive. And then Carlson civil has some of the survey uh, just enough so they can talk back and forth to each other. But in comparison to Civil 3D, it is so much easier to just create a model, to use line work, things like that. Um, because one of, the, one of the things in Civil 3D that doesn't fit our scenario is that everything is parametric, which means that you have to have data behind it. You have to have databases and, you know, you have to have assemblies quite honestly it's just like in Revit you have to have assemblies Michael let's let's jump in a little bit more to kind of uh your your side of the construction or really just what your favorite part of of your job is really I mean can you name us some maybe some of your favorite uh jobs that you've done or some of the the best aspects of them and what really draws you in into construction into this field and why do you wake up and just absolutely love what you do Absolutely. You know, 
doing something on the computer and then going out into the wind and the rain and, and seeing it in real life, that's cool. You know, it, it's like having a piece of paper and drawing a dresser that you want to woodwork. And, and I bring this up specifically because one of my good friends at Chasco is a woodworker um, and he makes awesome furniture and things like that. And he and I, you know, sit down and we have chats and go out, you know, and have lunch and things like that. And, and uh, he wanted to know if I could make a CAD file of a dresser that he made for his mother. Um, so he brought me this old yellow sheet of paper, yellowed, not yellow, but yellowed sheet of paper that was drawn in pencil, pretty much freehanded with scribbles for dimensions and things like that. And you look at that piece of paper and you look at what he built and it's amazing. I mean, people all the time ask, well, how do we do this before we had this? Well, people were good at what they did. You know, they didn't rely on the technology so much. Uh, but at the same time, that, that's kind of where I'm sitting is when you stay on that bleeding edge of things, the software doesn't quite do what you want it to do. Um, and I've gotten told several times that, you know, I'm a software hacker. <laughs> I take a piece of software and I make it do what I want it to do. And if it won't, I'll find another piece of software to complement. You don't get a sense of the, the grandness of it, you know, the scale of it until you go out into the field. You know, I could be looking at a 100 acre track that we're getting ready to build a subdivision on. And then I drive out there getting ready to set some control and fly the drone. And it's just like, wow, you know, this is huge. Um, and then at the same time, nature. Like I said, I love being out in nature. So I, uh, I don't drive highways and toll roads very often unless I really have to because I like driving county roads, you know. Mm -hmm. and, and nowadays with all the traffic and everything, it, it usually doesn't take you any longer. You know, it, it might be five miles longer, but it doesn't take you any more time. So that's, you know, that's one of the gratifying things about what I do is, is I'm not just in the office. I've spent my time in the office. You know, I spent a good 15 years uh, at Chasco and, and, you know, the other company just in the office all the time. And like going back to that land survey company, I wanted to learn the other part. So I finally developed into this role where right now, you know, I'm probably 60 field, 40 office. And I'm kind of trending back towards the office a little bit more because I have, you know, a pilot that can do a lot of that work now. But uh, I think that that speaks to balance and life. You know, you see the, the grind that people go through when they're just in the office all the time. Mm -hmm. And you got the Mondays and, and all that kind of a thing. And, and that's one thing that uh, I think technology hurts us on is it keeps us so focused on the screen that we start to lose the rest of our life. You know, we start to lose that balance in our life. And, you know, I like what you said about, uh, you know, going and talking to other people and how important that is because we're human beings. You know, we were created for community to, to be with other human beings. That's so, right. you know, I have a 14 year old son and that's one of the things that we're just knocking heads with right now because partially my fault because I'm a tech guy, you know, he had, he had a tablet when he was five. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, so mm -hmm. at the age he's at now and, and he's a freshman in high school now. So technology is really heavy. I mean, COVID causing remote learning. Um, right. So all the games and, you know, the stuff that he likes on the computer plus the remote learning and the kid's got his face in front of the screen, you know, 75% of the time he's awake. So <laughs> that, that's one thing that we just got to watch out for is mm. try to keep some kind of balance yeah. in your life. That's good. That's right. Yeah. God created us to, to value people and have relationships and uh, actually do things with one another. And um, I had to learn the hard way for, for a few <laughs> years in those internships. I was a, uh, a tough dude that thought I could do it all and thought I knew everything and 
had a superintendent tell me, Davis, you know, if you just work with people a little bit better, you might get a little bit further. And I was like, what do you mean? <laughs> well, I started to listen to him, you know, and started to treat people right. Started to work him on my own self. And I was like, okay, I can understand. It doesn't matter what really what I know. If I can't get us as a team, because, you know, we work for GCs. If we can't work as a team, then what's the point? Like, I'm yeah. not going to sit here just fighting the – but I like what you said, you know. We, I mean, I had to get off of that. You know, I think back during COVID, I was still in school. And so I was working uh, for a, a company online and then also um, on my computer all day. And so like whenever COVID finally ended, my, my, my eyes, I just felt like about to pop out of my head. It's just so strange. <laughs> it's just like getting Absolutely. back outside, getting back with people again, um, is what's brought a lot of value to me. But anyway, kind of transitioning here. Um, you know, we've talked a little bit about technology and, and your start and what Chasco does. I want to kind of focus on our younger generation. I know I tried to earlier, but, you know, the podcast and one of the, the main reasons we started is we want to attract, we want to inspire a new generation of builders to come into the construction industry and want to change and want to do things better. But, you know, there's some challenges in that. There's going to be a lot of having to go listen to that older guy, which, uh, hey, we're talking to one, and I'm glad that we're talking to one. So it's like, how do we help this dynamic? For a young person that's coming into construction, what are some things that you, you would tell them, and what are some things you would tell the old, older generation as well, how to work together? Absolutely. Um, one thing I will say real quick is Chasco and – our county and a couple of the cities that are around us put forth a lot of effort and I wish I had the link on me and we could have shared it on this podcast but you can you can maybe get that in there um, as it goes up we put in a lot of effort trying to talk to high school students that couldn't necessarily go to college didn't want to go to college or couldn't afford to go to college and try to show them that Construction is a viable, you know, and could be a lucrative career. Um, mm. and, and that all starts with tech and trade schools, mm. yeah. learning a trade, sure. you know, electricians make good money. I mean, I don't think people realize, especially if you're up north, you know, and you're mm. in a union. Uh, it's not uncommon for a journeyman electrician to make $50 an hour. That blows my mm. mind. I see those figures. I'm like, no way. And no, it's true. Um, so yeah, electricians and plumbers and and all those occupations, they're out there and people just don't think about it. You know, they think about construction and they think about hammers and shovels and the weather and all those kinds of things. And that's not the way it is. And and my team was a part of the videos that they put together and they came in and, and they saw me showing the drone model on the screen. And they went to my assistant and watched him 3D model and, you know, those kinds of things. So we're, we're trying to let younger people know that there are occupations out there that you don't necessarily have to go to college for. You don't have to have a degree for. Um, and this kind of goes along with younger people working with older people. You just got to be willing to get in there and listen and, and want to learn. Yeah. And and. I think you gain the respect of that older person, that, that elder, you know, elder is not a word you hear very often anymore. And it's like, why is that? It's because, you know, we're starting to get separated more and more. Every generation is a little more separated from the previous generation. So, you know, you got to gain the respect of that older person. And then, you know, through just throughout casual conversation, they're going to start listening to some of the things you say. And that's that's what I've experienced in my life. I mean, I've been at Chasco for 19 years, just past 19 years. And some of those guys that work for Chasco were there since the beginning and they're getting ready to retire. So that's the community that I've had to bring technology into. And I just had to learn how to do it. And uh, I would say at the top of my brain right now, one of the number one things is consistency. That's what has to happen in order for the old guard, you know, in order to teach uh, an old dog new tricks, so to speak. Mm -hmm. What do you right. do when you want to teach your dog a trick? 
you do the same thing over and over and over again. Um, so when I want to put a technology solution out there that I want this 60 year old guy to use, and it, especially if it's something that you've got to feed data into, you know, feed updates into so that he has his iPad and he's got the latest up to date thing, you have to do that all the time. Every time you get a revision, put it on plain grid, put it in bin 360, whatever you got to do, because if he picks up that iPad one time, and what he needs right then isn't there, you're going to stop using it. Yeah. So, yeah, I think uh, just listen, learn as much as you can, uh, get to know people, you know, earn their trust and their respect. Right. And then right. they will start taking from you. Listen, hey, yes, learn, so leave the questions. That's right. <laughs> there it my is. Aunt told it. Me, <laughs> well, my aunt told me you got to earn the right to be heard. It's like, for some reason, we think that as a young person, I mean, I, I think every per young person goes through it. I went through it. We, we just have this, you know, sense of pride at some point, like, okay, I, I know it. I'm going to go do it. And then we get humbled really quickly. Well, guys, if we could earn the right of going in and listening and just taking that posture and listening to what the older guys are saying, what they're talking about, go learn about what they're talking about. And as you begin to work and as you get, um, that person gets acquainted with you, they start to see, wow, okay, this guy works hard. He's here on time. He does these things right. And okay, wow, he, I can give him an opportunity. I trust him. But to go Absolutely. back, what I, thought, what, what I thought about, talked about the hammers, the shovels, and the weather. That's what people think about construction. Well, for most people in life, when they, when they have a surface level thought, you know, it's just at the very, very top of what the, the actual problem or solution, whatever it may be, well, the most entry levels in construction, they probably aren't the best jobs. They probably, you don't get paid the most, but that's any job in any field, in any industry. If you start out at the lowest spot, you got to work your way to get there. And so yeah. it's going to take a lot of hard work, a lot of uh, humility, a lot of going and pursuing and figuring out who, who is this guy? Who is this guy? How do I work with him? How do I learn about whatever scenario we're talking about? And so I just want to challenge people, especially my generation, because someone had to challenge me and I had to learn yeah. it was just because you're at an entry level job, maybe in a trade, maybe um, maybe it's right out of college. Maybe it's not whatever it may be. Stick with it. Go talk yeah. to your supervisor about how you can go learn, how you can do better, how you can move up to that next step. But don't just uh, give up because it gets hard. We have we have to have a little bit of grit about us. Absolutely. You know, and one thing you said just a little bit ago, talking about, um, you know, you have to kind of grind through it. But, uh, you know, when you're when you're trying to learn a new trade or in, and you're having trouble with it, you know, going back to asking people, you know, and not being afraid to show that you don't know something, because at the same time, you show that you're willing to learn that you've got some initiative. Yeah. You know, right. and uh, I'm going to keep sounding old because I keep saying these sayings that I heard from my grandparents and, you know, my parents is persistence and patience are virtues. Look up the good. definition of a virtue. It's a, it's a good thing. It's not, it's not just a good trait. It's beyond that. No, that's, that's really good. And I love, you know, to add on kind of to what Davis said, it, really going back to listening, I, I took a business trip earlier this week and I'm new to my job. I'm new to the career in general. Uh, but you know, we doing the contract negotiation and I've been over time, we've got to listen to some really good guests and awesome guests. And they've added a lot of value to us as, as a team, Davis and I, and, and also as a podcast and just getting to learn from them and their experience, you know, and, and really a long time ago, I would have said that I was kind of like what we talked about earlier. So I wanted to speak up. I wanted to kind of be loud. I wanted to show that I knew what I was talking about. But the older I've gotten, I'm not very old, but the older I've gotten, the more mature I've gotten in, in my career, in my life with Christ and just with, uh, you know, everything going on. I've really tried to step back and sit and listen a little bit more and not have to speak. You know, I don't recognize I don't have to be heard. Uh, and so really, I try to make this week just I'm a sit and listen. I'm a observe. I wanted to say a lot of things. But I learned, you know, it's it's not my time yet, and it's not going to be for a little bit until you get permission to at least, or until you know f full well that you know what you're talking about enough to yeah. say it. But you know, or just you sitting asked. there, exactly sitting there listening, 
you can soak up so much more info. I got to listen to them negotiate this contract. I haven't been in a contract negotiation before. They're going back and forth. Some points it's tense. Some points it's, it's comical. Some point, you know, and it goes <laughs> back and forth. And at the end of the day, you're all friends. But if you're coming from an outside perspective and you've never done that before, it can be intimidating. But getting to kind of see how both parties do it was such – a, a greater learning experience than trying to speak up and be like, oh, you know, what about this? What about that? Trying to make yeah. my point known. And I love what y'all are saying. I just, for those listening, you know, you, you don't always have to get the recognition is what I'm saying. Cause a while ago that would have been me every now and then, you know, it pops up again. It's the pride coming into to our lives. It's like, I want to be recognized. I wanted people to know that I know what I'm talking about, that I'm learning. But the thing is they do, they see that they recognize that without you having to to push that, without you having to say that, just based off of your work ethic, how yeah, you do yep. things. Like, your work is your signature. I heard that from a YouTube guy once. Your work is your signature. So how you do everything is how you do anything, right? How you do anything is how you do everything. It's, it makes me passionate because a while ago, I would have wanted – I would I would, again, I would want to speak. I want to do it. But I love what you're saying. Just sit there, listen soak it in, learn from people. You don't have to get the attention. You don't have to get the recognition because you will be after the hard work and time that you put into it. That's right. You know, and, and contract negotiations is a good topic because it's an intense, it can be an intense environment. It is. Um, oh yeah, for and, sure. And it kind of goes with a lot of other stuff because if you're green and, and you haven't learned how to be part of that community, Right. What are you going to do? You're going to come into a contract negotiation and you're going to hit bullet points. Make a mistake. And it's, yeah. and it's going to be impersonal. And you thought it was tense before. Boy, it's really going to be intense after that. Right. Um, and then one other thing, go back to what Davis said, is being the horse. So this is kind of the flip side of the coin is that I spent a lot of years being the horse because I was the only one that knew how to do what I was doing. And that was, that became part of my MO. It became part of who I was. So as I started building a department and then the next department, I had a really hard time letting go of things. And uh, one of my major challenges in life, even up to this day, is learning how to delegate. So I think that feeds into what we're talking about, because if you do these things, you're going to move forward quickly. And before you know it, you're going to have some, somebody working with you. I like to say working with you because I work with my team. Even though right. I'm their manager, I work with my team. I do what I have to do to make their jobs easier, which makes my department look better. Um, but you have to recognize, okay, what does that person really get at? And yep. give them pieces of it, which allows you to do what you do better, but it also allows you to progress. So. Yeah. It's really hard to progress if you're carrying too much weight. Yeah, no, I, and I love that. Mike, I wanted to go off of that. Kind of, you brought up my next question. You know, what is some, we had a, a, a guest on here. His name's Johnny Green. I think if we keep on mentioning him, we're going to have to pay him royal, royalties eventually. But, <laughs> Johnny Green, Johnny you know, Green, Johnny Green. <laughs> he, uh, he's an awesome dude. He's a PM for me at one of my, one of my internships and an incredible guy, a great leader. But one thing he talks about is just adding value to those above you, to those below you, and I'm really taking that to heart, especially beginning my career. I try to make everyone's life easier. I try to make the guy ahead of me's life easier and the guy below me life life easier. You know, so for you, uh, especially in the VDC realm, but in construction in general, how can those coming into a new career or those existing career, how can they add value to those people around them? How can someone in a position add value to the guy ahead of them, his boss, the guy at the upper tier? And how can they add value to someone below them, uh, another PM, APM, uh, intern, et cetera? Yeah, absolutely. You know, in, in my career in particular and what I do, I learned to accept a long time ago that I'm in a servant's position. I do something that, you know, a lot of other people can't do. I have to not want that recognition. I get the recognition just by people saying, thank you. You know, I don't need to be up in front of a stage, you know, and, and have people know my name or anything like that. Um, And just kind of having that mindset is what, you know, something uh, I, I come to this all the time is when I was 15 years old, we moved to Round Rock, Texas. And 
obviously that was my freshman year. So I came from a school that had, it was a uh, eighth grade through 12th grade was 40 people. I came in as a freshman to wow. Round Rock High School and there was 500 people in the freshman class. But that, that doesn't have anything to do with this story, but that just kind of tells you at this point in my life, you know, the way things were. And I got my first summer job. And it was really cool because it was working at a hobby shop slash radio controlled RC track. And that was one of my hobbies at the time. So just through doing that hobby, we got to know the owner. Owner needed some help in the summer. And one of the things he said to me, and uh, he wasn't trying to say it in a mean way, but he was saying, okay, if you're going to work for me, you're going to do whatever you need to do to make us successful. If I want to have you go mow my grass or wash my car, that's what we're going to do. And, you know, being so young, I don't know how, but I understood that. I kind of took it to heart. And I was like, yeah, you're right. You know, that needs swept up or that trash needs taken out. And uh, I'll hear that to today. I'll be walking out of my office with my trash can in my hand. And they're like, well, what are you, the janitor now? I'm like, yeah, whatever it takes. Um, or, you know, another good example is these, you know, these field guys come in good. and they say, you're so smart, you know, and this and that. And, and I'm like, you know what? I do what I do. You would do what you do. I couldn't That's do right. what you do. I don't, I don't know That's how right. to do what you do. I have a, an idea of what you do, but right. we're a team, you know, mm. and, and by putting all of these different skill sets together, that's what makes the company. And I don't right. think a lot of people see that because they get stuck in their, their part in the team. They don't necessarily care about what the other people are doing. But, uh, you know, just naturally through the positions that I've had, the position I'm in now, I've always been a real wide lens kind of guy, mm. uh, especially because what I do does touch so much of the rest of the company is if I do this, what is that going to do to the PM? I do this what is that going to do to the concrete foreman so i really have to be methodical about the way that you know like putting different software solutions in place i really have to think about you know what is that going to do to everybody else because not only does it make it easier to implement but you've already thought of all the questions that people are going to ask you know so when i'm putting a solution together and i take my proposal to ownership i already know the questions they're going to ask and I have them ready for them right there. You know, really thinking about other people, I guess, is what it boils down to. Is what is, right. what, is what you're doing? How is that going to affect other people? Right. And I don't ever personally, uh, Michael, it sounds like you're the same way. I don't want to ever feel like I've arrived. Like doing something simple as taking out your trash. Like, you know, I think about that all the time. Do I really need somebody? Do I really need to pay someone to come take out my own trash? Like, no, right. I can do that. There's nothing like I think about seriously on our job site today. I, I'll I'll go into the trailers, I'll <laughs> see some trash. Okay, I'll just go ahead and we all just take turns doing it. And no one complains about it, nobody moans about it. Like, you know, we made the mess, we'll clean up after each other. That you know, that's just humility. But the other thing you talked about is I loved how you talked about, well, some people look at me. Because, you know, I'm a college graduate and I'm going and talking to these tradesmen. Man, you're so smart. Okay, maybe I am in this certain field. This is what I'm good at. But, dude, you do right. this. And there's no way in heck I can even begin to remotely be at your level. Like, I went to four school – well, five and a half years of school. I shouldn't have. I should have been four. But you have been taking five years to learn to be a dreaming plumber. And holy cow, yep. the systems you put in place – far exceed my knowledge like you're 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 a craftsman you're great at it so don't ever like look down on yourself about that he's like okay i I appreciate kind of as we wind down wind down you know walker and i like to ask two of our final questions and you know it's one of my favorite parts because you know we're the young guys still and we're trying to learn from you so this is you know whatever you can do for us to uh, add great value and give us good advice we're here for it but for the the young people that are looking to come into construction what are some qualities you think they should have yeah, like I said, uh, perseverance, patience. I mean, th- these aren't just buzzwords. Look them up in the dictionary. Ask Google, ask Siri. Um, they are fundamental characteristics to being a good you know, human being, to being a contributing member of society. 
is you can't you cannot go into something thinking that you're just going to knock it out of the park you go in there and, and you give it your best shot and you learn every time you make a mistake you learn something and you use that to not do that next time you That's know good. I, I think I think sometimes perseverance can can get you in a sticky situation because I can make it work this way. Well, no, that's that's not really perseverance by definition is that you're going to try your best. But when your best isn't good enough, you need to try something else or you need to ask somebody. Yeah. Um, and then humility. I like you brought that word up. Humility is, is huge because you can't go into it for the recognition of myself unless you want to be an actor or a rock star or an NBA player or, you know, and, and even looking at something like the NBA, it's a team sport, right? Everybody's got to do their part. Man, that's, that's so good. I love that. Yeah. I, that per- perseverance, patience, and humility is kind of a cornerstone for a lot of different things. If you have those, you, you're, you're pretty set for, for life. If you can just follow along that for the rest of it, Yeah, but you're on a good path. That's for sure. But Michael, you know, kind of closing up the last question you usually ask is hey, you've been, you've, you've done a lot. It seems like I'm looking at your website right now and I see all these different drone photos and all the different portfolios. And I, I imagine that, Pretty much all these you've probably have touched in one way or another, <laughs> which is pretty cool. And so you've gotten to see a ton of stuff, gotten to have a lot of experience, talked to a lot of different people throughout your life and uh, been around it to do and see it all. So w- with that being said, and you know, if you could go back to your 20-year-old, 25-year-old self with the knowledge that you've accumulated throughout your life, what's some advice that you'd give yourself? Yeah, let other people do things too. <laughs> It's good. <laughs> I was talking about being the horse and, and uh, you know, learning how to delegate um, and, and don't be afraid to be a part of the team and not, you know, I, I think it, it's hard because it, it's a good thing to be a leader, right? But at the same time, in a, in a team environment like that, especially when you start recognizing how good people are at what they do. You know, I'm, I'm this smart and that guy's that smart. And, and you have to put right. all those pieces together. That's good. You have, That's right. When, when That's that good. person is going to speak about something that they know, you need to listen. And um, you have to let them be the expert on that. Um, so, yeah, I mean, really just being a part of the team and, and, and uh, not always trying to be the workhorse. And I love it. That's so good. And this whole thing has been so good. We've had some incredible advice and I know those who are listening out there have gotten a ton from it, especially those who, who want to do what you do. Like I said, I know a ton of people who've, who've talked to me about it and that's the area they want to go into, you know, but relatively new to construction, uh, it, it's not as much information on it. So having a guy like you here who can really kind of lead them in, in the right path is, is invaluable without a Absolutely. doubt. Absolutely. And, you know, I'll plug Chasco one more time, but go to our website, you know, look at the verbiage that's on there. Our ownership took some care when they wrote, you know, we didn't have somebody write this up for us. This is all stuff that has come over many years, our mission statement, all those things. Just look at the website and read some of it and you'll get kind of an idea of what a good construction company looks like. That's good. That's great advice. Michael, thank you so much. We will plug Chasco and, and you and, and all that, <laughs> put it in the show notes, let everyone be able to, to click through it. Uh, but Michael, thank you again. Truly appreciate your time uh, and your wisdom and advice that you gave us. Yeah, my pleasure. Thanks for having me on. Thank you guys so much for listening to our podcast today. We cannot tell you how thankful we are for every single one of our listeners. And we genuinely want to know and learn about you a little bit more. So if you're interested, uh, maybe sending us a question or just saying, hey, or wanted to talk to us a little bit, please reach out to us at contact at laying-foundations.com. If you you didn't hear that, didn't understand it, you can go in our show notes and just click on the link and write us an email. Please, we would absolutely love to hear from you. Seriously, me and Davis get excited every single time we get an email from one of our listeners. It, it, It genuinely makes our day. But if you want to find out a little bit more about us uh, via social media, Davis is going to tell you a little bit how to do that. Yeah, thanks, Walker. Guys, like Walker said, 
reach out to us any way you can. We appreciate feedback, whether you like it or not. You know, it helps us grow in any way. We're welcome. We're, we're here to listen. And whenever you guys tell us, we're going to try to implement that into our strategy. But how to get in contact with us on social media. We have a LinkedIn account called the Lang Foundations Podcast. We have uh, Walker, Walker Lots LinkedIn profile. We have Davis Hambrick LinkedIn profile. We have a TikTok page called Lang.Foundations. We have an Instagram page, Lang foundations and then you know that's where we're at these are all down in the in the show notes but guys we just want to put this out there and however you want to get in contact with us we're 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 imploring you please just reach out to us we'll respond we'll get back to you and we want to hear from you that that you're the reason one of the reasons why we're doing this we want to hear from you we want to hear feedback how can we grow and how can we get better because like we said before um receiving accountability and receiving feedback is one of our core values and that defines walker and i at our core we want to hear your feedback and we want to be, be helpful.